This is Competition Law with Professor Karon Beaton Wells, exploring the challenges in competition policy, law, and enforcement. This series looks at the impact of those challenges in a digital economy and on society overall, whether you're a citizen, consumer, or competitor. In this episode, Caron speaks with Antonio Gomez, head of the competition division at the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. But it's true that we cannot ignore the current backlash against globalization and the fact that some reaction to the negative effects of globalization is to potentially restrict competition. And so it's important that the competition community is ready also to dispel some potential mis misconceptions. Here's Karon Beaton-Wells. Rapid systemic changes are affecting economies and societies around the world, causing uncertainty and disruption. And amidst this turmoil, there's growing public skepticism about markets and globalization. Public backlash and political reactivity is very much on the radar of the OECD, the influential intergovernmental body on a mission to promote policies that improve the economic and social well-being of people around the world. Nowadays, that includes helping governments deal with the implications of a digital, data-driven economy, fostering innovation, productivity and growth, while at the same time ensuring technology benefits society as a whole. As the head of the organization's competition division, Antonio Gomez spends much of his time talking with government officials about these challenges and specifically how the digital transformation of markets is disrupting traditional competition policy and institutions. Antonio, let's start with the big picture. Tell us what you see as the major changes affecting economies today and the challenges, perhaps the opportunities, they present for government. I think we can talk broadly about two main shifts that are driving the challenges that we at the OECD are now looking at. I think uh, on one hand, we have a world that is more interconnected than ever as a result of globalization. And this, of course, creates uh, immense opportunities for economic growth, for example. But the Secretary General of the OECD has also been talking about challenges that may emerge from interconnectedness and, and from globalization. So, for example, we need to make sure that trade is actually occurring on a level playing field. And also that the gains of globalization actually reach all segments of society and that we don't leave anyone behind. And, uh, of course, there are also problems that are becoming globalized, such as money laundering or climate change that is a global problem that uh, should be met with a coordinated uh, response. So that's one of the main shifts, I would say, that are driving the challenges. The second shift is technological change, and I would add digitalization as well. And this is really one major theme in the OECD agenda. We are exploring how technology and digitalization can change the world, for example, in terms of work, labor. We're also seeing how digitalization and technology can be leveraged by policy makers themselves, by regulators and law enforcement agencies to actually enforce better, to regulate better, to have better policies. And we are also looking at new challenges that are being created, such as uh, consumer protection, uh, 
concerns. And of course, I think it's important to link where is competition in all of this. So what's the role of competition? And one area that we're thinking of uh, working on is on updating our competition assessment uh, toolkits to reflect the challenges of digitalization. Competition policy is traditionally thought of as an economic policy concerned with economic welfare and economic efficiencies. Do you see it as having a social dimension in any way? Well, I would start by saying that competition authorities in general are very cautious in bringing any social dimension to their work. And of course, first of all, because many uh, competition laws actually as you say, look at economic welfare and, and most often have an explicit consumer surplus standard. Another reason why they're cautious about introducing this social dimension is because if you add additional mandates or additional objectives to competition uh, enforcement, this may undermine the application of the enforcement of competition law in general. But this being said, I think that we need to acknowledge that competition does have important social effects. So we shouldn't ignore the fact that, for example, if we're fighting cartels, and especially in lower income countries, then we can benefit the poorest the most. There is also a link between market power and inequality. And some of the staff in the competition division of the OECD have actually developed research in this area. And we managed to show that market power can indeed lead to more inequality in terms of wealth distribution. So I would say that competition on its own can be an effective way of also achieving social objectives and not only economic welfare objectives. But it's true that we cannot ignore the current backlash against globalization and the fact that some reaction to the negative effects of globalization is to potentially restrict competition. And so it's important that the competition community is ready also to dispel some potential mis misconceptions. So it's more and more important that competition authorities are aware of the links between competition policy and enforcement and broader social, social issues. And finally, I would just say that also our work on digital, especially the Going Digital program, which is across the organization uh, program, is also, of course, touching on a lot of issues that do relate to social welfare in general. Certainly, it's hard to avoid the description of there being a digital revolution that's transforming almost every aspect of our world and lives. And as you've pointed out, and as the OECD's work reflects, it's a revolution that touches on multiple policy areas. And clearly the competition division is in the thick of that in the OECD. <laughs> Talking about competition specifically, though, just fairly generally, what would you say are both the economic opportunities, but also the economic challenges posed by this digital revolution? Well, I would say that digitalization has both a great promise, but also some risks to competition that we should uh, acknowledge. So in terms of 
positive potential of digitalization, of course, we can talk about the benefits that it can bring to consumers with new products and services, the possibility of prices being lower since we can remove intermediaries or we can or companies can reduce their marginal costs. We also see a lot of sectors that were insulated from competition where there's new competition introduced and injected. So no, uh, there are quite a lot of uh, positives. But of course, there are also sources of concern, and this may range from potential abuses of dominance to problematic mergers that may not be captured uh, by the current merger review thresholds, for example. Or we can have challenges such as algorithmic pollution. So I think that some of these challenges are challenges that competition authorities are well used to solve and to deal with. Some other issues bring, in fact, brand new challenges such as competition and, and algorithmic collusion. Are there characteristics of competition in digital markets that are distinctive? Well, there are, in fact, characteristics of digital markets that are different. An important characteristic of the digital economy is the potentially dramatic nature of the changes that we observe that can seemingly come from nowhere, completely revolutionize a, a market. So it may be difficult for competition authorities in the digital world to actually evaluate the contestability of markets, for example. There might be several potential competitors who may emerge as significant players, but we don't know if that entry would be successful or not. All these rapid changes also tend to blur the lines in product markets. So uh, it also poses analytical challenges into actually knowing what is the market that we're looking at. Another distinctive characteristic, I would say, is that uh, in digital markets, especially in, in some business models of dominant firms, acquisitions may be relatively Important. And competition authorities will need to assess whether those acquisitions will actually allow for the combination of complementary R&D assets. And if that merger case, for example, is just a way of acquiring a nascent firm that would pose a threat in the, in the future or not, or if it's uh, something that is basically positive and will create inefficiencies in the market. Let me just, if I may, in talking about digital markets, I think that not all digital markets are the same. And we should recognize that there are differences, different characteristics, and also different challenges depending on what kind of markets we're talking about. So I would classify digital markets into two broad categories. The first category would be e-commerce markets where we see a very large number of online retailers competing fiercely by offering customized products at very low prices, often undercutting the prices of brick-and-mortar stores. And one concern there is whether in these markets some businesses may engage in anti-competitive conduct to avoid online competition. And of course, there, I think the competition authorities will have to deal with issues like uh, anti-competitive vertical restraints or algorithmic uh, collusions or new forms of consumer exploitation. And then we have a second category, 
which consists of the markets for platforms and other giant high-tech companies. Platform markets are usually characterized by low variable costs, high fixed costs, and we also have often network effects, the importance of data, we have the importance as well of intellectual property, and we tend to see that these markets tend to be relatively concentrated. So the market characteristics in this kind of platforms may lead to the emergence of dominance players. And of course, competition authorities there need to pay careful attention to ensure that there are no abuses of that dominant position. And one important characteristic is the multi-sided nature of those platforms and the fact that sometimes they provide services for free. So there are quite a lot of characteristics in the digital markets that make them distinct from the traditional brick-and-mortar markets. So that's really helpful. Let's just talk in greater detail about the two types of markets you've broadly identified, starting with e-commerce, really online retail and competition both between online retailers and between online and offline retailers. So you're you're focusing specifically on vertical restraints? uh, Yes, in the e-commerce context. Because traditionally antitrust enforcement has been fairly lenient on vertical restraints. They've been seen largely as efficiency enhancing. But there seems to be some reconsideration being given to that stance, at least in some parts of the world. Are you observing that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I think that it's it's true that we've been seeing quite a few competition authorities active uh, in dealing with uh, with vertical uh, restraints. Uh, perhaps one of the concerns is exactly how these vertical restraints may in fact hinder innovation and at the end will have also an impact on economic growth. So I think it's one of the reasons why countries are paying a particular attention in, in, to these markets and uh, and the potential negative effects that this kind of uh, restrictions may bring. But if we look at the kind of restrictions that we actually have, one thing that we observe is often that brick-and-mortar uh, businesses are actually trying to prevent the competition from the, the online uh, world. One example is the use of uh, resale press maintenance clauses. Again, it's not something uh, new. But this is a way of preventing online businesses from undercutting their offline counterparts. We also have producers that may be setting, for example, different prices for online or offline retailers. So in a way to have a dual pricing uh, policy. I'll give you an interesting case, which is the Lego case in uh, the Bundeskartalamt in 2013, where they investigated Lego for setting discounts to offline retailers according to the amount of shelf space that was allocated to Lego products. And of course, this was seen as a discount that could not be applied to online retailers, and so it would turn to become a, a de facto discrimination. We can also have vertical restraints that take the form of selective distribution models that simply prevent uh, entirely online sales. We've had cases such as the ASICS case in 2015 by the Bundeskartalamt, where there was a restriction on online advertising and sales online. I think that there is indeed a general interest by competition authorities because of the impact it has on the economy. And 
Talking then about the other category of digital markets you mentioned, and that is, of course, platforms or matchmakers. Just as a general observation, Antonio, would you say our toolkit is sufficiently flexible or do you think we need to develop wholly new tools to deal with digital platforms? I would say that traditional competition enforcement tools are still up to the task. Despite some analytical challenges, I think in general, the fundamental concepts that we have in our analytical tools uh, are still a useful framework for analyzing uh, digital markets. Okay, well, let's just talk briefly about some of the specific tools. You've mentioned market definition and Mm -hmm. the complexities of that in multi-sided markets. One aspect of the debate around market definition is that traditionally it's been based on a price-centric test Mm -hmm. to analyse the effects of price adjustments on demand but also on supply. Is a price-based test going to work in digital markets where at least on one side of the market the consumers or the users are not paying any price for their service? And what does that mean for the whole way in which we go about defining markets, if indeed we need to define them at all in this context? Market definition in multi-sided markets, well, it can be more complex than market definition in in the traditional world. And that is because we have interactions between the different sides of the market, and that actually influences the firm's pricing incentives. So the boundaries of the relevant market may change because of that. So when a company is deciding what should be the price to charge the users on one side, it needs to take into account the impact that that price increase will have on the attractiveness of the platform for the other side of the market, for users in the other side of the market. So we need to understand all the sides of the markets uh, may be interconnected, and there are externalities that need to be taken into account in market definition, or we may risk failing to actually consider all the competitive constraints that are affecting the pricing incentives of firms. So it brings some analytical challenges. We may need to adjust the way we use our toolbox. It doesn't mean that we're not using the same tools necessarily, but we might need to to refine them. Uh, We could actually do a small but significant non-transitory decrease in quality. So looking at actually the way that quality and changes in quality may have an effect across the platforms, and this can help also look at the boundaries of market definition. In any case, probably in this kind of markets, market definition is probably not as relevant or as useful as in traditional brick and mortar markets, also because of the dynamics and the rapid growth of these, uh, of these platforms. Even looking at, for example, market shares do not have the same meaningfulness. Doesn't the fast pace of change in these markets and the fact that they're really dynamic um, cause challenges or questions, at least for competition authorities, about their timing of their interventions, if any, in these markets? As you've acknowledged, these are fast-growing, fast-changing markets with a high rate of innovation. So given that, do competition authorities need to be 
highly cautious before they intervene because any such market power that we might see now in an incumbent might be highly transient. Google might be overtaken by Google too in less than five to ten years and one could say the same of Facebook. Or does the mere fact that the incumbents for whatever time period have such power mean that competition authorities should act and should act fast to ensure that new entrants are not impeded? Uh, it's true that in dynamic markets uh, with a lot of innovation, you expect companies to actually not remain dominant for too long or at least not have market power for, for too long because markets can be contestable and some new product or service may actually displace the old one. But at the same time, you also see in these markets some companies that do have quite some market power for a long period of time. So should competition authorities simply ignore it in the sense saying, well, let's wait for the next wave and this will be solved? Or should they actually uh, look into cases, the potential abuses of, of dominance and actually understand if on one hand, if there is in fact dominance, if there is potential competition, I think that that needs to be uh, assessed uh, as well. And then if there is in fact an abuse, I would say it will depend on a case-by-case -case, uh, analysis, but I do think that there, there may be reasons for intervening in these markets as well. And of course, there's also a temptation to regulate uh, these markets. We should also be very careful with regulation first to see if it's still fit for purpose and it's not preventing innovation and entry. And on the other hand, we should be very careful into introducing regulation in the future that may in itself be somewhat restrictive of competition. So I think there you really need a dialogue between the different players in this area, which mean a dialogue between regulators and competition authorities. Do you have particular regulators in mind? I mean, we have seen an onslaught of privacy or data protection-related regulation in recent years in, in the EU, but uh, in other parts of the world. Is that what you're referring to, or did you have some other regulatory Well, I think that the, yeah, I think that the digital economy actually affects the whole economy, and it's not only an issue of data or data privacy or data protection. So there are many issues uh, that have to do with competition in the, the digital market. So this may be happening in transport. So it may be happening in legal services, in financial markets with fintech, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, it's very important that competition authorities do have a dialogue with, uh, with consumer protection agencies, with data protection agencies. What about in the competition authorities themselves in terms of their own expertise, given the fast pace of change digitally, but also just the technological complexity of these markets. Are competition authorities looking to build up their intellectual resources in this area? And what are some examples you could give of that? Well, I think they are. They're, first of all, I think they are pretty much aware of the challenges that they are facing. Um, I'll just give you perhaps one example. When we're talking about competition and algorithmic collusion, we need to, of course, acknowledge that there are some challenges in actually detecting some kind of wrongdoing, some kind of violation of competition law. 
and also to assess this. Um, so I do think that competition authorities need to rethink the resources that they have, and they will need to invest in having data specialists, the scientists, the IT people that can actually look at these algorithms, for example, and understand how they are operating and what's the impact in the market. So yes, I think competition authorities are clearly aware of that. And they also see an opportunity in technology and using digital tools for their own benefit in terms of enforcement. So for example, we also see Competition authorities using data themselves, data, for example, on procurement, to screen for cartels. Uh, and there you also need other skills. So you need resources that are able to deal with this new world. How important do you see it that competition authorities work with academics, if I can throw in a plug for the academic community in this area? Because certainly there is a high level of academic interest and mm-hmm. research activity on relationship between competition and digital markets. And you've been an academic yourself, haven't you, Antonio? I think when I say that competition authorities need different resources, it doesn't mean necessarily hiring new people. New resources may mean precisely establishing the right connections. And I think that the connection with uh, academia, with research centers, is actually a very good one that can be particularly effective. It's impossible for competition authorities to continuously and always have the resources needed even to do research on how things are evolving in certain areas. Of course, I'm not saying just the relationship between competition authorities and competition academics, but also between competition authorities and academics from other areas of research. I was mentioning algorithms, but we can mention blockchain and the challenges that blockchain may bring in the future. And I think that competition authorities are still in a very, very early stage of understanding what kind of implications blockchain may bring. So, of course, this link with university and also with practitioners and companies as well. So being in touch with stakeholders is very important to also evolve in this area. And what about competition authorities needing to work even more closely together in light of the fact that digital markets are in many instances global markets. Of course, the OECD has been at the heart of promoting greater cooperation and coordination between competition authorities for many years. But do you see that as particularly important now? Well, I think it's extremely important as it was and continues to be in the traditional world. And I think that, of course, with digital markets, you may have even further challenges that require enhanced cooperation. So if we look at the digital world, that has really eliminated the traditional boundaries that we have in terms of uh, the frontiers between countries and so on. So conduct uh, by companies uh, is also very likely to be cross-border. So it is important for competition authorities to cooperate. We've been doing a lot of work in this area. So first of all, it's important that competition authorities meet and share experience, share best practices, and they can do it in fora such as the OECD. And where we also try to bring the experts from other areas to actually bring practical insights. But there's also a challenge in enforcement 
because we may see a lot more of investigations that are, if not the same, at least very similar across various jurisdictions. So it's important that competition authorities can use tools of cooperation, such as information sharing, but they can also have uh, joint uh, investigations, that they can have investigative assistance may be important. So there are quite a few ways that can be enhanced, and the OECD has a recommendation on international cooperation from 2014, but we do foresee that in 2019 and 20 we'll be discussing that recommendation, and we might possibly have a, a revision of that recommendation precisely to face the new challenges there. So speaking of information sharing, Antonio, tell us if our listeners want to go and find out more about the OECD's work and the wealth of resources that it produces, where should they go? So first of all, our webpage, oecd.org slash competition, has a wealth of resources on a variety of competition topics. So In the digital area, it includes topics on disruptive innovation in several sectors, uh, big data, e-commerce, blockchain, algorithms and collusion, multi-sided markets. So there you can find background papers that are usually a good starting point for anyone that is interested in in these areas. But you can also find PowerPoint presentations by the experts that have come to our uh, meetings amongst other resources. And I would also encourage uh, our listeners to follow us on our YouTube competition channel. Yes, fairly new innovation for the OECD. Is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they can see you there in person, so I hope, Antonio. Yeah, exactly. So I, I do hope that that's, uh, that's useful. So, Antonio says our current toolkit for protecting competition is in pretty good shape when it comes to meeting the challenges posed by digital markets. But he also points out that there are some tools like how to define markets and some issues like how collusion can occur through algorithms that represent new frontiers for competition authorities. Antonio observes these authorities skilling up in areas like data science working with academics and others to keep abreast of the latest research and even using new technologies themselves to keep up with the breathtaking pace of change. He also emphasizes the importance of regulators in different areas working together and of ever closer cooperation between competition authorities in a digitally borderless world. Next on Competition Law, we're going to get back down to the nitty gritty when we talk again to Maurice Stuckey, Professor in Competition Law at the University of Tennessee. In episode one of Competition Law, Maurice sounded the alarm about the immense market power of data-driven companies, dataopolies as he called them. Next in episode five, he talks in more detail about how these companies are costing us our privacy, why we should see that as a competition problem, and what regulators should be doing about it. Until then, you can find links to the OECD's work on the digital economy, innovation and competition in the show notes. You'll find them alongside our other resources at competitionlaw.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave us a review. Competition Law was produced by writtenandrecorded.com. I'm Karan Beaton-Wells. Back with you next week.